In a time when evildoers parade their agenda before the world without shame, in a world where absolutes are being challenged and changed, in a society where truth is relative, welcome to a podcast that will edify, encourage, and empower you. A podcast that will speak God's truth in love. I'm your host, Myron Powell. Thank you for subscribing and listening to Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. Well, thank you for tuning in today and listening to Rightly Dividing the Word of Truth. And uh, I am so excited about this season. I know I keep saying that, but it's true. And the reason is I'm privileged to be interviewing so many ministers from around our state and the nation and even the world. And uh, in fact, that's what this season is all about, the cost of the message. We're interviewing ministers from various backgrounds. Uh, some are pastors, some are evangelists, uh, you know, others are, are just starting in ministry. Some have, you know, had decades of ministry experience. And so, you know, gleaning from all of them. But today I'm especially uh, excited and honored to interview a man who is a bishop and pastor of uh, the Life Church and that network of churches there in the Lincoln area, of course, that includes Crete and Valparaiso, and he can tell you a little bit more about that. He's also our uh, North American Missions Director for our state and uh, Presbyter of Section 2. But beyond that, he's a friend, and uh, we have a unique experience going back to my mother at Gateway, which is now Urshan College, and uh, just have had a friendship that's that spanned uh, well over a decade now. And uh, appreciate this man. So, Pastor Alfin, thank you for being here. And why don't you just take a minute and introduce yourself and your family to us and to our audience. For the pal, it is indeed a pleasure to be with you. And we actually go back almost a decade and a half. Yeah. Not not to correct you on your own uh, <laughs> your own podcast here, but it's been a while and it's been a privilege. And I anticipate it continue to be. Uh, such. We've been in Lincoln here for March. Uh, March the 5th will be 14 years now. And uh, we came th- here uh, through a process that very much goes hand in hand with, with the title of the title of this podcast, The Cost of the Ministry. Mm. Like I said, we've been here for 14 years. My wife and I have been married for February, it'll be 27 years, I believe it is. Mm. <laughs> Uh, we have two children. Uh, my son, uh, general license minister, recently married. My my daughter is is very involved in the church here, doing doing ministry together. I come of a ministry family, have raised a ministry family, and I anticipate my children will do the same. We love the kingdom of God and and working for the kingdom. Amen. And and I'll just say this uh, for our audience: um, you are one of those friends that uh, has helped me to make sure that family is a priority. And so many ministers forget that. And I was interviewing Brother Fazalor on an on a, um, earlier episode of this season, and we talked about that. And he was dealing with uh, some people that that day he had actually spoke to who were you know, engrossed in ministry, but we're neglecting their family. And you've been a friend that has helped me to to make sure that that's important. Uh, you know, and you yourself taking those days where this is my family day. Don't call me. You know, don't don't. I, my phone is off. I'm unavailable. And that is that is so important. And that relates to part of the cost 
of uh, the message and, and, and what we pay as ministers uh, regarding that. So, well, again, it, it absolutely does for the power. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. It does. I, well, well, let, let me just let me just jump in there. I, Please. I, one of the things that's always bothered me is watching ministers who, who pay the price with their families. Right. And I've always my dad, my dad taught me this. Um, it's something that I've tried to teach my family and live. And and if if I win the whole world and lose my family, there, there's a problem someplace. Mm-hmm. And I set out from a very, very young age in ministry to make sure that my family was priority. And I I, I love doing ministry with my family. Absolutely. And, and it, it, it's a family thing. It's a family thing. Well, and it shows, too. And, of course, I know our podcast listeners can't see that, um, but those who may know you within our district and outside uh, know that, and and your family is deeply involved and and a part of that ministry. So, well, again, you are a friend and a fellow laborer, but I want to get to the first question today, and that is, how do you... Uh, as a minister, and where you are in life right now, the the experience that's behind you, how do you define the cost of the ministry? Well, Brother Powell, any time that there's a cost to something, it means that there's something to be paid. It means that there's a balance that is owed. And I feel most definitely like I owe a great debt because of the calling on, on my life. Right. And I, 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 we've mentioned it several times, what an honor it is to, to do ministry. And to be honest with you, Brother Powell, this, this, the, the topic is, is kind of hard for me because I'm a glass half full kind of guy. Right. And, and I, the, the ministry, even at the greatest cost, has always been uh, something that I have, I've counted as worthy. Yes. But, there, there is a cost, and I would be disingenuous if if I just kind of brush that that under the under the carpet, so to speak. I think the bill for every person, the cost for every person, is is different uh, as an individual, but there's very definitely a cost. It, it starts it starts, I believe, very very similar uh, with with each with each person. I'm just kind of looking at my own life and, and young ministers that I've worked with over the years. It begins by paying a price in in times of early consecration. It takes us from the ball fields and drives us into the prayer rooms um, where God begins to ask us questions such as, are you willing to pay the price? Mm-hmm. Are you willing uh, to do what is necessary to answer my call? Yes, I'm calling you. But are you going to respond uh, to to that call? And and I think that's where it begins with with all of us, uh, with God basically asking us, are you willing to do something different than everybody else is doing? Right. Uh, as as a call kind of matures, as it grows and 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 becomes more and more, dare I say, productive. God God finds us more and more usable. Um, kind of kind of say it that way. I think the cost is is paid in the denomination of personal disciplines. Mm-hmm. Will you intentionally do things that your peers will, will not? Will you study? When when you first begin, um, it's kind of it's like anything else that's new. You have this great calling, you feel this great, this great moment between you and God and 
And we, many of us can look back to those moments where God called us. All of us should be able to look back to that moments where those moments where we accepted that call. Mm-hmm. Um, we look back to those and there's motivation wrapped up in all of that. But as you mature and as you get down the road, there's going to be a moment where you have to step up behind the pulpit or or get down on your face in prayer. And that motivation is not there. And so the cost as you begin to mature mm-hmm. is your willingness to do it no matter how you feel. Will you study? Will you submit? Uh, will you do what it takes to develop character that is worthy of the call that God has placed on your life? My, my old pastor, he used to tell us young ministers this. He, he would say that, that 99% of preaching is what you do outside the pulpit. Right. Are you willing to pay that price? It's going to cost you that. It's, it's going to it's going to cost you your 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 investment um, in consistent prayer and mm. consistent fasting and being submitted to the man of God and the leadership in your life. Are you going to do what what is required of you by those men of God in your life um, when you don't want to, which right. is obviously the definition of of submission? Um, are you going to make demands on yourself? And this is this is something I was going uh, as as you know we just got into our new building yes. and all of that kind of stuff. And so I found myself in the in the unique opportunity of going back through a lot of books and journals and stuff like that, just as I unpack my office and set it up again. And and I I, I come across uh, a a note in in one of my my, my prayer journals that simply asks I ask myself the question: Am I willing? to make demands on myself that no one else is. Wow. That's, that's a price that you're going to have to pay. Mm-hmm. And, and then as time, as time goes on and, and you're, you've got a little bit of experience and God begins to, to sharpen your, your, your calling, make it more individualized, if you please. It seems like, it, it seems like to me, just, and I'm just talking with, from my personal sure. experience and, and observation for other people, but God begins to dig dig into us, and and it seems very very intentionally painful at times. This is goes beyond. Are you just going to be willing? I've I've proven at this point in my ministry, I've paid the price and made the commitment to do and be what God's called me to be. And now God begins to perfect me. Yes. God begins to dig in into me and pull out things that he don't, he no longer wants there. This is, mm-hmm. this is not going to help us going down the road and in my own personal life. And, and again, in, in observation for others as well, it seems like many times this settles in around rejection and loss. Mm-hmm. Some major, some major rejection from, from someone that I hold dear or, or some loss in my life that is catastrophic, that shakes me to the core. And God, God picks up the pieces of my, of my shattered life, rejected life and begins to put it all back together. When you say for the pile, the cost of ministry, I see the greatest cost of ministry as being patient enough to go through the process of God perfecting you. Wow. I don't, I don't really know if this is, you know, usually when you talk about the cost of something, it's, it's, you know, some, you know, 
I'm in that last category that I talked, you know, sure. some great big hurt, some pain, someone did something to you and, mm-hmm. and all of that. When you, when, when, when ministers talk and you go to classes about, about the things that happened to you as a pastor and they try to try to prepare for you. Every time I've gone to those classes, I've always thought, you know, that's nothing less than I expected. Right. I expected to be spat on and beat on and abused mentally and emotionally. And, you know, all, all of, all of, I, I expected that kind of stuff. The true cost. I, I truly believe the calling of God helps us through those things. The true cost is me keeping my attitude right and all of wow. that kind of stuff, keeping my spirit pure, allowing, allowing God to perfect me in this process to make my my quote my ministry what it what it should be, and honestly, I I don't know if that's a debt that'll ever be paid. I don't know if I can right. ever balance those books. Right. You know, there's always going to be something in there. God says, okay, you want to go to the next level, <laughs> buckle up, get the first aid kit out. There you go. It's going to be interesting <laughs> for a little while. Yeah, you know, they always say, you know, uh, better be careful when you pray for patience and, you know, pray for these things, you know, right? Yes, sir. Because God will answer. Yes, you know, as, as you were talking, you, uh, how you, you began indicating, um, you know, that in your mind, there was never this sense of, oh, no, I don't want to pay this. And it made me, it reminded me of the scripture where uh, Paul says, woe is me if I preach not the gospel, you know, necessity is laid upon me. I have to do this. I I can't not right. do this. And you you read other places where Paul indicated that my life is not my own. I belong to Christ. I'm dead in Christ. Yes, that sir. that reality, I think, you know, when a minister accepts that, you accept what comes with that. And if that requires as you said the process, the pain, so be it. And and as you were also speaking, I also thought of Ephesians where he says, I therefore the prison of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you are called. That word vocation means high calling. And yeah. I, I don't remember the first elder that may have said it to me, but I've heard it over and again from many, many elders, and, and I found myself now saying it as well many times. But if if God has called you to preach the gospel, don't step down to be the president. Yes, sir. It's a high yes, calling, Good. and and it's and it's worth it. Obviously, the the pastoral epistles are filled with that cost, you know, to uh, what we need to do and who we need to be. But right. again, I want to emphasize to your point: it's worth it. Right. It's worth right. the pain. It's worth the scars. It's worth the turmoil, because I'm not in this for the income or from what I can get out of it. I'm in this for the outcome, that souls can right. hear Jesus say, well done, good and faithful servant. Exactly. You know, uh, it, it's kind of a cool thing, if I can if I can use that. I can use that terminology um, to hear people tell stories about running from their call. Yeah. I, I, I don't understand that. I've never understood that. I've always approached the things of God as it is the highest privilege in the world. And I want to live my life. You use the scripture. I want to live my life where I'm worthy of the call that God has given to me. We can talk about the cost all day long. Mm -hmm. 
if you get anything else from anything else I say today, I want people to understand that the cost is worth paying. It is. It, it most certainly is. And uh, how, how many years you've been in ministry now? 30, um, 34, I believe it is. Wow. Wow. My goodness. 34. Started and, and, when I was 14. Wow. So did I. <laughs> oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. That's a, that's a piece of trivia about you. I didn't know. I well, don't think. Now, now, now we, another, another piece of that relationship. Another piece. So we both began our ministries at 14 and, and you know, the uniqueness of that, if you want to actually go back to age 11, <laughs> that's when I accepted my call. But for the first three years, I mowed the lawn, I stacked the songbooks, yes, I changed the, yes, the trash. That's ne- part of the cost, too. <laughs> <laughs> Never preached a message, you know. Yes, sir. I, I thought for sure when I told Pastor Gideon that God had called me to preach that the next phone call would be Nathaniel Urshan asking me to oh, preach yes. to a conference, but yes, it didn't happen. <laughs> You're still waiting on that one, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Brother Bernard hasn't asked me either yet, so we'll see. Funny story this year. My son, my daughter-in-law, his wife, and my wife, all three spoke at a panel. So I teased him. I said, wow, you know, you guys all get, you know, a conference slate before I do. So go team. Yes. (laughs) Go team. But, uh, you know, that kind of takes me to, as well, you know— Moving forward in that of, so I was I was 11, then I started preaching, I was 14, and I'll never forget, um, shortly after we moved to Canton, Missouri, uh, I might have been 16, but it was, if I was, I was barely, but in that 15 to 16 range, I remember the, the counselor talking to me, uh, the school counselor, about, you know, prerequisites and what you want to do in life and all this. And so she's, you know, behind her computer and she's doing all this stuff. And she says, so, you know, what would you like to, to do and be? And I said, well, I'm going to be a preacher. <laughs> and she says, wow, you've made up your mind. And I said, no, God's made up my mind. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and I, I really felt that way. So again, back to your, your point, I, I didn't run from it. Now I, I don't disparage those that did and, and sure, that's their sure. story and, like you, but, but I, I can't relate to that because I was like, I was eager, ready right. and not, and, and yeah, I'm sure I had my moments of pride and thank God for a pastor with a bony finger to point in my face, but sure. it was, it was an, it was an eagerness to fulfill it, you know? And, and again, that's, that's really what I'm hearing from your answer. And I, I really yes, appreciate sir. that. Well, let me ask you this. Um, Again, I know there's been challenges, and you alluded to them. You you mentioned the, the scars and 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 some of the the suffering. Again, be as vulnerable as you you wish. I don't I don't expect any more than you wish to share. But what might be uh, something that you could describe a story or an event that presented a great challenge to you that maybe caused you, you know, even if it pointed you to your knees, even if it pointed you to that place, what was a moment that you can relate to the audience? in which you paid a cost. And of course, you can look back and say it's worth it and thank God, but what was a great challenge that you might have um, dealt with in answering and fulfilling God's call? Let, let me, let me kind of answer that like this for the pal. Um, let me, let me, let me, but you, you said, what's, what's the greatest challenge? And yeah. so I, I, I kind of, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about this and I'll, I'll ultimately answer your question and give you a couple examples of or sure. an example, but my first, my last, 
And my greatest challenge has always been the same. And it will always be the same. And that's me. Wow. You, you were just, you were just talking about how, you know, you wrestled with the call of God a little bit and, you know, um, we're talking how young we started and, and, and all of that kind of stuff. And, I, I had said earlier that I accepted my call to preach at the age of 14, but I remember very, very distinctly. I, I was in the third grade. I know what grade I was in because I know what school I was in. So uh, I, I began to, at that early age, I began to wrestle with the fact that God had called me to preach. Mm, mm. My dad was a preacher. My grandfather was a preacher loving the apostolic message. Uh, my, my, my cousins, the other family members preaching the gospel is the quote family business in the Alphan family. Mm. And so from the very, very young age, I wrestled with why God needed another Alphan preacher. I wrestled with, was I really called or was, was my calling based on something that I felt because everybody else in my family was. And so I look back and I realize even though I start, I, I really began in, at, at, at age 14, as far as the first time I got behind the pulpit, but God really wanted me to begin so much earlier because I was the problem. He, he had dealt with me for years and years. And so that, that's, that's what I, uh, that's what I mean by that. My greatest challenge is not the devil. It's not Satan. It's not the lack of finances. It's not, it's not the lack, anything else that we like to look at. My greatest challenge has always been Gene Alfin. Um, As, as a calling of God developed in my life, my willingness or unwillingness to be used has always been my greatest challenge. It's always what has either push forward the purpose of God or stymie the church of God, of God. Maybe I should say it's God's God's greatest challenge with me is me. I, I, I don't know how you want to look at, at it, but I was, <laughs> I have always been, I've always been the challenge. Now, as far, as far as, you know, what, what's that moment that, that cost me the, the most um, that, that moment took place in my life about 15 years ago. I had what I look back now and realize is it was a defining moment in my in my ministry. It was the moment where whatever I decided, and remember, I'm the biggest problem, whatever I decided was going to determine what Gene Alfin did for the rest of his life. Um, I, I really, I, I really can't go into a, a, a lot of details because I, I would never want to hurt anyone um, that that may have been involved in this situation. But, but suffice it to say, this my whole world was turned upside down. Wow. I was accused of things that I did not do. I lost lifelong friends, partners mm-hmm. in ministry. I, I never, I never. One of the most impactful memories in my mind of all memories in my life is a moment that a friend called me 
that I, I had grown up with ministry, which served on youth committees together. We had, we had, we had uh, been friends. I had preached revivals for him. He had preached revivals for me. We we were very, very close friends. And he called me believing a lie and completely just brought our relationship to an end. Now, thankfully, 15 years later, God has a way of bringing truth out and he's, he's, we've, we've reconnected and there's been apologies and, and foot washing and, and all of that stuff. And I'm thank, I'm thank God for that. But this was a moment in life that, that everything changed for me. My whole mm-hmm. family was uprooted, thrust into chaos. All of our plans were down the drain. It seemed like God's plans had completely, completely come unraveled. And when I look when I look back at that, and that's the reason why I started with that I'm really the biggest problem. Right. The one thing that I learned from this is that it doesn't matter what people do to me. It matters how do I respond to what people do to me. There you go. That that's that's what I learned from this situation because truly we are our own worst enemies. And so I, I was at a crossroads in my life. I could have I could have looked at this and I could have said the easy thing to do. I'm just going to pull out a credit card and I'm going to pay this bill by getting a bad attitude, by getting angry, by getting vengeful, by being spiteful, all, all of the things that it's natural for people to do. And I want to be clear. I am my own worst enemy, my own greatest challenge. And so I'm not saying I did everything right. But I, I will say that I had great men of God in my life that I was submitted to that guided me through this situation. And no matter how dark it was, no matter how demoralizing it was, no matter how cut off and alone my family was uh, for several years and they're completely, completely isolated, um, no matter that, no, no matter how isolated we was, God was always there with us to help us to truly pay the price. Mm. In other words, to help us to have the right spirit, to stay submitted, to listen to the right voices, to do the right things. And because of that, now 15 years uh, later, give, give or take a little bit, but give 50, uh, 15 years later, I look back now and realize that the hand of God was in this from the very beginning. Mm. Yes, and I, it, the life that I live right now, my children live working in ministry and in a district that I the love that I love and I feel like I'm loved in. I, I hope I am. Um, Amen. It, it would have never. It would have never been like that. God, God knows what's in us, and He looked into Gene Alpha and said, "Okay, Gene, you you've got you've got some things in your spirit that I've got to work out." And you're going to have to pay this. You're going to have to pay the price, and it's and it's not going to be an easy price to pay. There's going to be some things attached to it that for the for the for the rest of your life you're going to have to deal with some of these things. But if you'll just pay the price, if you'll just do what's right, then it's all going to work out in the end. I've got a plan uh, through through all of this. So you know, again, our our greatest enemy is not satan our greatest enemy is not the society as messed up as society is it's not the it's not the society the world we live in it's not other people it's not any of these other things our greatest 
our greatest enemy is ourselves. And we can only deal with ourselves properly, pay the price through these these spiritual disciplines that that we all know that we must that we must uh, be living by. God puts us through these processes, and we've got to trust them. I I've been doing a study in Abraham um, uh, through the book of Genesis and really focused in on Abraham. And here here's a guy here's a guy that made almost every decision wrong. You look at yeah, you you right. put you put his life in in a series of, of of right and wrong decisions, you know, in two different columns. I mean, the guy, the guy just he, he made some wrong decisions. I mean, God would appear to him and said, I'm your exceeding great reward and and all of these amazing things and and all of that kind of stuff. And and then I'm 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 gonna fulfill my promise to you. And 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 that chapter closes out and he goes and jumps in bed with Hagar. You know, exactly. I mean, Abraham made choice after choice after choice that was wrong because he was his own worst enemy until he makes the right decision. The last decision, he got it right. And and and, and at the end of that, there's a there's a statement that the Bible records God is making that has always astonished me. God said of Abraham, now I know. Now I know. What, what did God know? God knew now. That Abraham trusted him. And once God knew that, now he could trust Abraham. Why? Because Abraham paid the price day in and day out. Wrong decisions, right decisions, good things, bad decisions. He just said, whatever the cost, I'm going to get to the mountain and I'm going to make the right decision. I'm going to fulfill the purpose of God in my life. Yeah. So true. So true. And and to our listeners, th- there was a lot said there, both the account of Abraham as well as Pastor Alphen's life. And you've you've now twice at least mentioned those spiritual disciplines. And I don't think we can emphasize them enough, how vital right. and important they are to take that personal time to learn to pray, to fast, etc., to to Part be there. You know, I, yeah, exactly. And I, 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 I think when you look at this, and not that we shouldn't learn how to be better expositors of the Scripture, I, be, I believe in that. The Bible does say, "Be apt to teach." However, right. What's interesting is, not one time did any apostle say, "Jesus teaches how to preach," but they did say, mm-hmm. "Teach us to pray." Teach us to and pray. Absolutely. So I think if we can apply those spiritual principles um, in those moments, then that is the key. I, I want to do a follow-up question to to what you have just shared there, and and in part to express maybe that that uh, ironic twist you might say that that you've brought today, and I appreciate that. And that is, we've talked about a great challenge, but what has been a great joy for you? in ministry. And I'm sure you can, you know, I'm, I'm throwing this off the cuff. This wasn't in the script. So I'll give you a minute to think about it. And, and you might want to relate it to your family. I don't need a minute. A saint. Okay. All right. But, but what's been a greatest joy that you can share with our listeners? My greatest joy without, a, without any hesitation and unequivocally is my family. Hmm. 
watching what John said in 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 Third John, what was it, verse four, I believe it is. Yes. He said, I have no greater joy Amen. than to know that my family walks in truth. Yes. And my greatest joy and my greatest source of pride if if I, I godly pride sure. um sure. is the fact uh, of my family my my, my yeah. family has been partnered in ministry with me for first you know my wife and I uh, we got married and a year later we pastored our first church and and from there we have been an inseparable ministry couple. Um, God would bring us our son and then our daughter. And today, you know, my son's newly wed to a beautiful, godly young lady. He is general licensed minister. He's he's more than my right hand. He is as much the pastor of our church as 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 I am. And my daughter is is our music director and, and works with our social media and she does her Sunday school and, and, and without a doubt as, as a minister now, 30, 33, 34 years, I look back and I'm thankful for everything that God has done. And, you know, we can start telling success stories and write books Mm -hmm. on, on the things that we've got watched God do. Sure. Sure. But the bottom line is my family walks in truth. Amen. And as as ministers, whether we're just beginning or or we've been in this for years, our families have got to, has got to be our priority. I refuse to allow my family, my children, and in, in in a you know, as God blesses grandchildren, I'm not I'm not there yet, but as God blesses <laughs> grandchildren, I refuse to allow them to be a cost of ministry. That Amen. is not the will of God. Amen. I wholeheartedly agree and and echo that now that as well my children are in their adult years yes. and faithfully serving the Lord and you know Brooklyn now being also married uh, since September so just a few months as the recording of this yes. podcast but you know and and both of them their spouses love God they're they're all involved in ministry and I think for me, if I flip that question around and ask myself that question, it in, in and I agree with your answer by the way. But a, a part of that for me is when, like the other morning, I woke up and I had a text from my son and one from my daughter, and it was both some biblical questions and comments. And I just, That's I mean, I, I wept tears of joy, just like, wow, you know, th- this yeah. could be. Dad, I'm I'm in jail. Can you bail me out? This could be, yes, you know, sir. I'm I'm divorcing my spouse, and you know, I don't love God yes, anymore. Sir. But instead, it was, Dad, I was reading about yes, uh, you know this in the Bible, and can you help me? And I just I was like, thank you, Lord, you know, for this Beautiful. this wonderful opportunity. And you know, I want to I want to also echo what you've said, and I believe again, you've you've at least said it twice. I don't want my family to be a cost of ministry. As a result, meaning because I give mm-hmm. myself that they they are the cost, and I, and I certainly appreciate that, but agree with that. And to any of our ministers that are listening, who are you're single, or or young married, make sure you know you put your family first. I I said this to a young man I mentor recently. Uh, we were talking about this very thing, 
And Brother Alpha, maybe you've already seen this, and, and I know you and you've studied Genesis in depth this past year. We talked about that recently. But, you know, God ordained the marriage first. That's in Genesis, Genesis, you know, chapter two. Right. He, by default, the family, the church doesn't come until at best the church in the wilderness, which you see in Exodus, and really not until what we know as the church today, until Matthew. When he says, I'll punish rock, right. I'll build my church. And of course, the fulfillment of that in Acts. So, you know, not saying the church is not important, not saying that that is because it is his bride. We know that. But our families, our marriages take priority. And when you look at the world yes. and the attack against marriage to redefine it, to redefine mm-hmm. gender and all of these other attacks, uh, it, it's to undermine God's purpose. Absolutely. So, Creative order. So, yeah, and so thank you again for for hitting on that because it is so vital and so important uh, to to us and to uh, those that we're raising and as you said, our grandchildren one day. Well, again, th- this has been wonderful. I, I wish we had you know four or five hours just to keep on going, mm-hmm. but uh, I do want to ask you though before we close this out today. What would be a piece of advice that you could give to a minister today, and, and maybe a minister who's grappling with how to answer that call? What's the process? Who do they go talk to? Um, and or just a general piece of advice for someone that's maybe in that call, and now they're in that beginning phase. What would be a piece of advice that you could leave with them to encourage them? You know, in a, in a nutshell, submit to the process and pay the price. Submit to the process, and I know that that's that is like the greatest blanket that covers it all in the world. Like you know, there's so much, so Amen. much to that. But submit to the process. Understand God has a process. Pay the price. Com- commit to that pro- process. You know, we we like to quote, especially as as young ministers starting out, waiting on on those calls from Bishop Bernard to come preach general conference, you know. Right. We 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 hold Proverbs 18, 16 close to our heart. You know, a man's gift, making the room for himself and bringing <laughs> him before great men. And mm-hmm. and and we we love that last part of that scripture. But the truth of the matter is is we'll never see the last part until you can figure out the first part. A man's gift makes room for himself. That word maketh means to grow wide and large. So you won't, if you won't make room for yourself, if you won't grow yourself wide and large, then there'll never be a need or an opportunity for you to stand before anyone because you wow. didn't pay the price. You know, I pay wonder... the price, submit to the process. Amen. And I wonder if that connects to, I believe it's in 1 Timothy 4, where he says, take heed unto thyself and unto the mm, doctrine. Interesting connection. Yes, sir. Yeah. Just when you said that, I just, that's that hangs on my wall in my study. And, um, huh, maketh room. I, I'm, I'm going to dig into that. Yes, so you've, you've inspired a fresh <laughs> thought. So, amen. We do that for each other. So Yeah, well. Here, here. Here, here. Um, that's one of those. That's one of them fun costs to the message to inspire yes. each other. Yes. 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 Well, thank you again for your time today, and uh, certainly appreciate that and your friendship and your 
love and respect for your own family. It's it's an inspiration to me and others. And speaking as the superintendent of this district, I will say people do love you. <laughs> you brought that up earlier. So <laughs> I know that and I feel it. Amen. Well, yes, to all of our listeners, yeah, thank how we love you. Thank you so much. Yes. Hey, uh, thank you for that. I, I appreciate you, my friend. And uh, of course, when we're recording this, it, it'll when it drops, will be a different uh, day than what it is today. But I am looking forward to being with you uh, this weekend. Yes. So by yes. the time this drops, it'll it'll be a month or two down the road. But well. To all of our listeners, thank you again for listening today and uh, you know, sharing this podcast with friends and family. Uh, if you're a minister and you do have some questions, please email us at RaleighDividingWOT at gmail.com. Um, I, I would also say please talk to your pastor as well, but uh, certainly uh, reach out to us. We want to help you any way we can. Um, and so we appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. God bless you in Jesus' name. <laughs>